right. Well, welcome everyone on the newbie panel. I'll quickly introduce them. We've got John from the What Up YouTube channel. Welcome. Hey, folks. How's it going? Thanks for having me again. Appreciate being here. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Trisha Aran from Beyond the Screenplay. Welcome back. Hi. Good to be here. And Lottie from Shell Cottage Radio. Hi. It's awesome to be here today. All right. Well, we're going to get right into it. We have a lot to get to in this episode. Um, a very, very brief recap. This week, we rejoined the Harfoots and we witnessed some of their migration as well as some inter interesting interactions between Nori and Meteor Man. Um, we saw Numenor prepare for war. We saw ships burn. A lot of intrigue there. Uh, we saw the elves reveal the reason they are after Mithril in the first place. And Bronwyn faces a terrible choice. So a lot to get to. I'm going to ask you all for your one word reaction to the episode and why. Um, so I'd like to start with Trisha this week. Oh, boy. Um, I'm going to go with theme because I thought that this week was really the first week that I was able to see some themes emerging. Um, mm. You know, it's difficult when I can get into it later, but you know, in screenwriting, we talk about theme and like, it's kind of like, what does it all mean? Or sort of like, how does everything tie together? What is the big idea that's that like these stories are exploring? And I felt like this week there were multiple conversations uh, as the theme, which is like loosely, I want to say about the fine line between good and evil, but we can get into it. I saw that kind of coming out in a few conversations this week and you know, I'm, those that listen to Beyond the Screenplay know that I'm obsessed with theme. And so I got really excited by some of the emergence of theme this week. Yes, it was absolutely a theme-heavy week. And we're starting to see real conflict, right? Things are mm -hmm. things are coming to a boiling point in most of our storylines, um, which is what you want to see, I think, this far into the season. Yeah, it's about time. It's about time. <laughs> All right, we'll go to you, Lottie. Uh, yeah, I think that connects directly to what Trish said. Um, my word of the week is trust as Ooh. a theme. So trust oh. as, a, as a theme uh, between, you know, we see Elrond and uh, Gilgalad and Ordurin, both of them have like, we don't really know if, did Elrond really break his trust to Durin? But then in the end, it seems he didn't. Um, and then of course, Bronwyn and her people, uh, even Nori and the stranger or meteor man, how you call? Do you call him Meteor Man? Either one works. Yeah, we don't <laughs> know his name. Right, so. we don't know his name yet. So, mm -hmm. um, and then of course Galadriel and Halbrand and many, many more actually. But those are just a few of them who have who struggle with the theme of trust this week. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, trust being breach is going to be, you know, the the major major source of conflict um for and it's culture clashes too right it's these cultures interacting on the basis of trust and when that's breached what happens right mm -hmm. so I, I like that a lot as a high level theme uh we'll go to you john uh i'm gonna say story driven it's, it's a hyphenated word it's still one word though we'll go with that <laughs> <laughs> um I, I thought this was the first episode where I really started to pick up on the story up until this one, I would say it was a $2 story in a $10 show that made any sense. 
And then mm -hmm. I think they actually started to shift the other way. Now we're actually starting to get more story and more, more characters interaction, which is what I like. I like character driven stuff. And uh, so, yeah, that, that's, that's my word of the week. I, I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read something from the ch super chat um, that's relevant, which is that um, people are really in likewise enjoyed this episode the most like their ratings, each and every one gets higher and higher with every episode. Um, and that this was the most well-liked episode thus far, I think, because as you said, John, it's very plot driven. Um, mm. And I want to jump in right at the beginning with the Harfoots. Um, we have a super chat from Augusto. I don't forgive me with your last name. Goncalves, uh, Poppy song and Nampet theme orcs marching was the best thing of this episode. So I'm going to agree with you that uh, Poppy's, song was absolutely lovely um i'd love to get your reactions to seeing the harfoot migration um and seeing things with with uh the stranger kind of heat up so take it away trisha yeah I, I i adore poppy and so i was i was so happy to get to see her you know sing a little bit and um you know it's very i haven't I don't know much about Tolkien lore, but I have read The Hobbit. Um, and I know that there's a lot of songwriting that goes on. You know, Tolkien wrote a lot of songs for these mm -hmm. books. Um, and so it's nice to see that aspect of the Harfoot culture and of the texture of the world being explored a little bit. Uh, and the song itself was just lovely. Uh, I thought it came at an unusual point in the episode. Normally, you know, it's we kind of like save a little montage for later in the episode, mm. um, just structurally. So it seemed like a, a strange place a little bit for that, but I, I overall really enjoyed it. And I do think that what's happening with the stranger plot line is really interesting where it seemed like up until this episode, you know, uh, Nori was dead set that the stranger was good and they have that, exchange at the beginning where he asks if he's a peril and she says no 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 you're good you're good um and then we see him do something good and even though the the rest of the harfoots had been doubting that he was they you know were just whispering about what bad luck he is and then he does something good and saves them from the wolves and then by the end of it though they have that issue with the ice and his whole power's gone out of control and it seems like now the Harfoots believe he is good, but now Nori is potentially going to, you know, seeding some doubt in there. So I thought overall it was eventful, exciting. Those scenes with the Harfoots migrating, gorgeous. Um, I'd still gorgeous say shots of the landscape, yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what you want. And I think overall the Harfoots are still my favorite plot line. Um, it's still the one I'm most interested in. Man, that Malva character, though, I think that was her name. The Har I found that really interesting that uh, she wanted, she was talking to Sadik and wanted to cut the wheels, take the wheels off of, <laughs> off of their Absolutely caravan and leave ruthless. them. I thought that was so ruthless. Yeah, I, I that doesn't, that was the only thing that did not work for me about the storyline is that I really, last episode, I was defending them saying, well, you know, maybe it's that they had to leave them behind because they were it, severely injured. But this was clearly, oh, let's sabotage them because they're slowing us down. That's a whole different issue. So that was the only thing that didn't work for me. Um, but like you, I loved the song, um, <laughs> loved the whole montage. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts, John. Uh, like 
like Trisha said, the the Harfoots are still my favorite storyline. Um, mm-hmm. I love them to pieces. Uh, Poppy's my favorite character in the entire show. Yeah. Pop, well, Poppy, 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 and Nori. I guess like they're tied for number one. Both of them. I love them so much. Um, but uh, I, I liked like the song. I liked like when they went through them and the stranger was starting to doubt if he was good. But everyone like I, I love all that. I love how they kind of put everything together there. But um, I know you're all you're all hating on Malva, but no, I think I think I think she's just a pragmatic Karen. That's all she is. She's she's wants to speak to the caravan's manager. That's that's what that's about. <laughs> she she wants to get there like with no problems and she just wants to cut the problems out. Um I actually didn't mind her as a character at all because I thought that was actually what someone, at least someone, would would act that way. So I guess I'm I'm just gonna share my thoughts now. I don't know if I lost you guys. No, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I cut off very abruptly there. I guess. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> no, um, yeah. I I know it's boring, but I agree. I mean, I guess we all kind of agree that the Harfoots are lovely, and it's always I get a good feeling when I see them, and I um, I enjoyed their migration. I enjoyed the shots of I. That's New Zealand, right? They shot that in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, beautiful. Love mm-hmm. the song. Um, so two things I am probably, I'm a very easy audience. Like I feel everything. I feel like I feel everything that they want me to feel. So I feel heartbroken that Nori and the stranger now have a, you know, distrust. Like Nori is, she was, especially after the beginning when she was so sweet with him. Um, and now she's having doubts about that so um i'm very sad about that (laughs) but i know that it has to happen and it's uh, good for the story um another thing that i was wondering about was how much time did pat like they how far did they get because it seems like quite a lot of time has to pass right um yeah because they it it looks like they got quite far so i'm still yet now i'm wondering is that still the same timeline we experience with the other storylines that was my question in this case i love the way they use the map like that's yeah that is probably the best way to me not knowing much about uh how middle earth is supposed to look or how anything is to know where they're at and what's going on but like you said lottie i i'm pretty sure and again i i i'm letting everybody know i've read no theories I, I don't watch any of the stuff on this on purpose for so i can do this this uh, stream but i think they're completely different timelines they gotta be like okay uh, except for the fact that they did see the meteor at the same time as everybody True. else did so every, all, did everyone see it all at the same time all they all the... saw it at the same time we i mean uh, they all saw it at the same time um and so okay that's Never the mind, only then. thing that gives me that gives me pause <laughs> uh in thinking that but yeah, certainly, I think um, they are playing with a lot of the high level themes with Meteor Man. Is he light or dark? And you see this with so many of the different characters, right? Um, he doesn't, he may not even know. You see him wrestling with, am I apparel? Am I light? Am I dark? Yeah. What is what is this inner conflict that I have? You know, and um, that's clearly going on with someone like Hallbrand as well. Um, so I'm... I'm enjoying that play out as we learn more and more about who this person is. And does he know who he is? He clearly is confused. He's not sure. So it's fun to go on that journey with him. Yeah, I think 
to sort of dive into the themes a little bit as you're getting at with light and darkness. I thought it was interesting to see different characters wrestling with that in this episode. Mm -hmm. um, Hallbrand for sure, uh, and even Galadriel, which I want to come back to. But, mm -hmm. you know, in the plot line with the Southlanders, there is that question too of like, is this our mm -hmm. destiny? Are we fundamentally de destined to align ourselves with evil um mm -hmm. and maybe there's nothing we can do about it because it's in our blood it's our ancestors they made that choice already for us um i think that that's all really fascinating and i think too you know in the scene with galadriel talking to halbrand we even mm. see galadriel wrestling with that right she says the people in my life couldn't distinguish me from the evil that i was fighting um and that's part of the reason why I feel like I can't stop fighting. Um, but there's that sort of question of like, she says the line to Halbrand, right? We have to touch the darkness to know what the light is, um, mm -hmm. which is a repeat of what her brother said to her in mm -hmm. the prologue of the whole show. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if, and that's honestly all of that coming out in this episode made me really excited. And it mm -hmm. made me wonder if, you know, I've been hearing, rumblings and whisperings not that i've been reading them on purpose that we're being misled by the show about who turns out to be who right so oh yeah the question of who sauron is was raised specifically in the text of this episode as what's his face um tavern Adar, keeper yeah. yeah tavern yeah. keeper man was like uh i we pledge our service to you aren't you sauron and adar seemed mad and was like you know acting like he isn't sauron um, we don't know who the stranger is. I had thought he was probably Gandalf. Maybe he is peril. Maybe he is going to turn out to be evil. Um, mm -hmm. And I do think it's really interesting that it seems like the show might be moving towards exploring these themes of good and evil and how close they can be to each other mm -hmm. um, more in the text. Whereas up until this week, I was kind of like, what is this show about? <laughs> Like, what are the themes here? Um, and it's nice to see some of these things actually starting to be a part of the decisions that the characters have to make. Mm -hmm. um, I do wish that there was a little bit more of what it might mean, like what mm -hmm. evil is and what good is. Mm -hmm. I thought it's, I was thinking back about the, into uh, the prologue of Fellowship. And the evil that Sauron is, is defined in Galadriel's voiceover. I looked it mm. up in the screenplay today. She says, you know, into, into the ring, Lord Sauron poured his cruelty, his malice, and his will to dominate. Um, yes. And that's what evil is. And we define it in the prologue. Cruelty, malice, will to dominate. And I feel like if the show is going to get into the fine line between good and evil, I want to see them get into some of that. What does it look mm. like? What what actually is evil? Define it in this world. What actually is good? Instead of the sort of vague metaphors of light and darkness, because those are pretty vague. Mm -hmm. I feel like they are touching on, you know, evil being just death and decay and everything. You know, we see the animals in the Southlands. There, there, there's some weird black secretion that comes out of them, and everything is, you know, the land is dying. And then we mm. see the also the um, conflict between the elves and the dwarves. It's also about dwindling away, which in the end means dying. The fun part mm. about it is we don't even know if dying is is evil. Is that something evil? 
you know, that's that's a big question that we I, I know where you're getting at because it's not really defined in terms of what's mm, what's that big darkness that we that always gets mentioned, but we don't really know. We they say it's Sauron, but um, we don't really know know who he is. Galadriel doesn't even know, so she is really just trusting the word of Halbrand that where she needs to go. So yeah, yeah, I I, I get your struggle with that. Yeah, I think it's cool. I just want a little bit, and the show is just now starting to like discuss yeah. theme in the text. So I'm hopeful that there will be more of it as it goes along. Also, they've got a bunch of seasons ahead. So they have a little bit of time. But I'm always just like, my theme radar is always like, what is this about? And Amazon loves their mysteries. Um, They Uh like hiding. They like hiding things. They like like trying to trick people. Um, I I don't even know if we'll find out some of the answers to these questions this season. It might be season two or three or or beyond. They, They may do the real slow burn, which I hope they don't. I hope they answer some of them at least, but um, yeah, like I felt, I actually liked uh, Adar. Is that that how you pronounce it? I, I mm-hmm. like him. Like he's he's billed as a bad guy, of course, because he's in charge of the orcs, and the orcs we all know are bad and evil and and horrible. But I liked him, and I want to know why and how um, he came to be the way he is. Like like I like uh, a villain you can identify with, and I, I think think they're going to go that route with him i hope anyway because he has the, of course the the scarring on his face and he hates the sun and he he said it'll be gone soon they won't have to deal with it anymore and he's with the orcs but it's not really explained how or why he's there i i really like all of that and i hope that they at least tie that end off before the end of the season he's a fascinating character um and as trisha said before i keep going back to the very beginning of this show with the prologue and the first words are nothing is evil in the beginning and so i keep going back to that to search out those higher level themes and i think that's perhaps what we're saying with adar and um his relationship to the orcs is so interesting to me he clearly has so he cares for them um and that exchange between he and the york this this time where he says i wish you could experience the sun like i did soon it will be gone so that you Mm -hmm. can you know walk freely but i wish that you could have that experience feeling it on your skin like there's such again we see so much tenderness there um and And they call him father too which is which is neat i mean i like that and they call him father so but as um as you said before trisha we are supposed to see these folks as evil, but we need more of like, why is this guy dark and bad? And why should we not like him? Because yeah, for sure, his plot line is so interesting to me. I want to learn more and more about how he came to be the way that he is. Right. Mm -hmm. And what kind of lies is he talking about? Right. We still don't know the lies um, that he's referring to. Um, Well, I want to move to Numenor. Um, and that whole storyline this time, because we're seeing them prepare to go to war, right? And clearly this is very controversial within the kingdom. There are those who think this is foolish to go defend the elves. Why are we defending the elves in the first place? We don't like them. Um, we see Farazone, who talks about why he's excited about conquering Middle-earth for resources, essentially. Um, and that's sort of his angle. Um, we got Galadriel and Halbrand in that very intimate exchange where she's trying to get him to get on board with going back to Middle-earth when that's the very last place that he wants to go. 
Um, so there was a lot of meaty stuff, meaty dialogue there. And I think the Numenorian plot at this point is probably my favorite. Um, so I'd love to get uh, your thoughts on it. We'll start with Lottie this time. Yeah, I enjoy N Numenor, especially because of the visuals, too. I Every time mm -hmm. we see it, I think it looks stunning. I love yes. the party, how the party looks. It looks very, like, the lights and the, the lightness before they leave. And it's always stunning, right? They leave because they're going to go to battle. But mm -hmm. it feels like there's a lightness and a pride and a happiness to it somehow. That That's kind of a contrast to what's going to happen. Um, so... I um I still am also confused what's the deal with uh Farazon and Farazon's son. Mm -hmm. Is he really is is he his son? Cuz sometimes I'm not I'm not really sure. Um and he's, he's... the one who's trying to blow the sh the ship up. Yes, Kemen. Right, Kemen. Yes. Yeah. And his interesting relationship with Isildur's sister. So that's really again something we see where it's about trust and, and who's right. And, and they're both, I mean, I'm sure Isildur thinks he's doing the right thing, but also his sister um, is thinking, what, why is my brother and my father, why are they both going to war? And I mean, she's losing his fa uh, her family, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, so I do want to know more about that part of the story. I also want to talk about, sorry, if I'm, saying too much here about this no, um go go but i also want to talk about because i'm most of the time i'm pretty positive about the show um i did not enjoy the sword fighting that much honestly <laughs> because to me it not was a like, lot of people enjoyed that <laughs> i mean consensus yeah okay good because she, she's trying to teach them but at the same time what if they do hit her then they stab her or yeah it was kind of strange to me how they how that how did she jumped in there trying to teach them and then yeah i don't know yeah it, it didn't that part just didn't i didn't enjoy it as much but i yeah i'll it let the others like speak a, yes i i think that scene was a little cheeky and um yeah. a little overdone I've, i feel like we've seen that scene before it's a very familiar like i'm doing cool things and i'm a badass i mean i thought it added a little bit of levity to the episode mm -hmm. um what did you think john I didn't like that scene, um, not because I felt out of place. I thought I thought that's something that probably Gladriel would do, um, mm -hmm. but because they cheaped out on the, the fight choreography really badly, <laughs> I just <laughs> I just thought it was felt out of place with how well they do everything else. Like that was it was not great. Um, it seemed very one two three one two three one two three when I was watching it, and that, that's all I could think in my head it was like oh, <laughs> it ruined it for me, but. Uh, I did like, I do like the Numenor plotline. It's not my favorite plotline, uh, but it's not my least favorite either. Um, but I think the the Chancellor and the Queen Regent are probably my two favorite characters in that plotline. Um, I, I love them both so much, and I, I I like how much of a politician the Chancellor is. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I enjoy that where he's talking about uh, tribute and and if they do this for the Southlands, this is they're going to get these things and it'll it'll entrench them further and eventually the elves will bow to them. I love that. Because he's not necessarily an evil man. He's just, he wants power. And that's... But clearly power hungry, yes. No, very, very much so. But he's a politician. And most politicians are kind of like that. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I enjoyed that part of it a lot. Um, I don't like anything to do with the ocean and the ships. Hmm. Um, they get a lot of stuff wrong there. And that's just, that's just me 
nitpicking and watching and going, oh, God. what do you feel like they get wrong? <laughs> uh, just, just there's there's a whole lot where the motion, the things they're doing, the way the people are, are, are walking on the ships, the way the way they talk and they act and they move. I'm well acquainted with people who live and work in the water a lot. And for for a sailing nation, that's they, they I don't think they got it right. Mm. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's I, me, again, me being completely nitpicky. I love the storyline. Everything's beautiful. That's just little nitpicky things for me. I think the language they're using is often very, very often, uh, you know, nautical. They try to always make it like uh, seafaring speak, I've noticed um, with the dialogue. And I've appreciated that. But I wouldn't know anything about them, you know, being actual seaworthy people, how they're walking, how they're using the ships. Um, but that seems like a big um, error if that is if that is indeed like setting off I, alarm I mean, bells for people who are familiar with mo it. <laughs> most people probably wouldn't pick up on any of that at all because I, I had to rewatch it a couple of times and I just went back through and I looked. I'm like, oh, and it's all small things. But I mean, you're not going to coach extras or people in the background and exactly what they're supposed to do for every single thing. They're just going to let them go. And Wayne Yip's a, an excellent director. He's absolutely fantastic, but I don't think he'd be that involved where he's moving extras around constantly. So what did you think about um, the burning chem and burning the ship and a seal door, you know, stowing away in their relationship? Um, so I, I think, I think it's one of those things where they're going to, eventually become friends um even though they're on opposite sides of the coin right now i that i could be completely wrong in that but um i like the fact that he covered for him um and that's pretty much how he got his spot i think um so i i i like that he used that to his advantage and i liked kevin i don't like at all i don't like him as a character uh not even a little bit he's greasy grimy slimy little shit <laughs> <laughs> to me, Don't I would like think. <laughs> to me, I would think if I were Kem and I would probably want to cozy up to a Sildor because I'm I, ca I care about his sister. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Make make the brother happy to to get him with the family, sort of so to speak. Make the father happy, but I I don't know. I don't I don't know what his his play is. Uh, what he's doing. I do yeah. really like. Yeah. Go ahead, Trisha. Oh, I was just gonna say, the one thing that I'm always looking out for in this show are like crystal clear motivations mm -hmm. and we did get a couple moments in this episode especially in the Numenorean storyline where people explained why they were doing things and those reasons were compelling and mm. so you know Farazan is one example um where he was like resources they will be indebted to us forever this is a very compelling reason for us to support them in this very silly what i think is a very silly war um that won't take too much of our time but they'll be really grateful for it um and so when you get a scene like that a character is explaining a motivation and has a compelling reason it starts to feel like okay this is something i can buy into um it feels like real character real plot work all that stuff that's like just sort of narrative meat that we need um and there were a, a few other instances you know partially with muriel when she was worried about what do we do um and then you know we saw we know why uh isildur lied to you know to get himself on board the ship he protected kemen but he also lied to make himself look good and get himself on board the ship, which we knew was a goal that he had. So mm -hmm. characters doing things for motivations that are very clear is great. Mm -hmm. And that feels like story is happening and moving along. There yes. are other characters in this show that don't have super clear motivations. Halbrand is 
a bit of a mess. And I know that the show is obscuring his motivations on purpose. Yes. Um, yeah. But that doesn't hook me into, I don't know what he wants. Hmm. Uh, I don't, he says he wants to stay here. Why? That's not a super clear goal and it's not compelling. Um, and his motivations for doing so are not clear. Uh, they push Galadriel in this in this storyline to explain why she is acting the way she's acting. And she does a little until she runs up against, I can't stop because I can't stop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> cool. Uh, I, like, my brother died. Great. But why else? Okay. But I, that's just me. I can't stop. Um, and again, I'm looking for a little more soul searching from her. Um, what does it mean that I can't stop? That, that troubles me that I can't stop. What does that mean about myself? Um, and obviously not in so many words, but I think there are, I think there is some motivational cloudiness that's still happening, but uh, the times when it has been cleared up uh, and it felt like that happened a few times in this episode, it felt like a breath of fresh air to me where I was like, I know why they're doing that and I'm on board. Let's go. Let's go do this. Let's go to Middle Earth. Uh, so I, I really appreciate some of the narrative work that's being done here. Hmm. I thought that the scene between Halbran and Galadriel was one of those moments actually for me um, where I felt like, all right, we're getting some humanity from her. Definitely. And I wonder what you thought of that exchange. That I think it's a step. I think it's a step in the right direction. Again, I'm hoping for a little more thematic meat and character meat from her, where she's wondering where the text could perhaps more directly address. She said, "People in my life can't distinguish me from the evil that I was fighting." Very but big problem. What, yeah. <laughs> right. But, but what about her actions was yeah. causing that reaction in people that she cares about, and? Like, is it because I was too single-minded? Is it because I I'm being selfish? Is it because I want revenge? You know, mm. again, sort of defining the evil that she's worried about, the darkness mm. that she is afraid of in herself. Again, I think we're moving towards it, and I'm relieved mm -hmm. to find out that we're moving towards it. Mm -hmm. um, but I just, I'm curious to see how much that theme starts to develop and, and crystallize as the series goes on. Mm -hmm. uh, Lottie, you look like you're dying to yeah. say something. Go. I, I feel like, <laughs> yeah, I, I love the elves. Um, and I feel like this ties a little bit into also what uh, we see with the other elves and Linden this episode, mm. because I feel like elves, they're just very vague. They are not straightforward with you. They, their, their speech says everything. And it reminds me a little bit because we just discussed um, a chapter in Harry Potter where uh, the centaurs in the Forbidden Forest are like that too. They don't say, they don't tell you much. They they speak a little bit in uh, riddles or they they act like oh we know all of this stuff but we can't tell you exactly. Um, so that's how I feel with the elves sometimes, and I feel like that's we forget sometimes that they're so old, and I don't know maybe they forget that the uh, all the other creatures around them most of the time they're not not that old and they need maybe a little bit more explanation um with things but i i get where it's like okay why can't you not stop um with elrond and um uh all the elves around him they tried to so he finds out he was actually sent to the dwarves right and he was very upset about that and i 
I almost feel like he knew it a little bit that he was not just there for friendship, right? He knew that, but he didn't know mm -hmm. how severe the problem was. And then in this episode, we find out the elves are going to die beca because what is is that the darkness? Is the tree, does the tree actually keep them alive in Middle-earth? That's what I was wondering. Let's talk about, let's talk, let's get to the elves and the dwarves. Uh, <laughs> because Sorry, I think... Jumping. I would no no. Um, I think there was. If I were watching this without any context, I think that some of this may have been confusing. So I'm going to let you guys speak because I have my Very own thoughts. So. But let's let's um, <laughs> let's let's talk to you, John. The elf and dwarf, the mithril plot line, the explanation of how it was weird. created, the formation. Weird. Okay. So you thought so it was I, weird. Well, so the explanation how it's created, that, that, that's fine. That's that's a story based on lore and it's a myth. And, and okay, I, I can get on board with that. Sure. That's how it's it seems not to me. actually based in lore, but it's lore akin. That's what I'll say. Lore, that's all okay. I'll say. So, yeah. so lore adjacent. There lore, we go. Okay, lore adjacent. So I, I can get I can get on board with that. We'll say it's a story they passed down and this is how it is. It did literally happen that way, but it's it's one of those things. Um, so I can get on board with that. Why they need it. I have no bloody idea. Like I'm, I'm left out in the dark. Why they want this? Do they want to reforge one of the, uh, what are the lights called? Um, what were they called? The things in the trees, the jewels. They talked about them before. I can't the remember. Silmarils, called, but... those things. Yes. The Silmarils. Are they trying to reforge one of those? Do they need it for that? Do they need it to capture the light? Do they... I have no idea. It's really confusing. And I really also didn't like Elrond in this episode at all because he's an idiot. He is completely stupid. <laughs> so <laughs> he uh, he's he just keeps saying, I can't betray my friend. I can't. Be he did. By saying that, he betrayed his friend completely because he just basically told Gil-Galad that, yeah, the stuff's there. And, and, and that's where it is. And that's what they have. Because every time he's asked a question, he wasn't evasive. He didn't lie. He didn't whatever. He just said, I'm not going to betray my friend. Very stone-faced. And that that there, that's that's just like telling him what he wants to hear. So to me, I didn't like that. Maybe that's his character. Maybe that's what he would do. But I, I thought it was kind of silly. Um, I liked all the scenes with Elrond and Durin. Uh, Durin's one of my favorite characters. I love I love the, all the dwarves to pieces. They're absolutely amazing. They're well acted. They're, they're well thought out. They're beautiful looking. Like, I, I think they're fantastic. Um, I like when they get the table back. For, for example, he lied about that. Just get the table back to, to, to piss yeah. glad off. That was awesome. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. that made me, that was my favorite part Agreed. of the whole episode. It made me very happy. <laughs> yeah, it was um, hilarious. Yeah. But I like, like you said, the the mithril storyline. I I I don't know. Um, I don't want someone to explain it to me. I'd rather the show do that. If that makes any sense at all. I, I'd like them yes. to say this is this is why we need this, and this is why it's important, rather than saying it's important, and then just leave it at that. Like I kind of like the explanation behind it because Elrond should know, or Gilglad should have told Elrond why it's important. So, yeah, we need this to stop us from dying out. But why? How are they going to eat it? Like, is, is it something, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. And why, if it's so urgent, why didn't they just come out with it and, and told the dwarves what the deal is? You know, like we, we learned that, um, Durain is totally fine with it. And he's like, okay, if I can save you guys with that, obviously I'm going to do that. And he's actually, mm -hmm. he thinks it's pretty cool because he's saving the elves this time. And we learn yeah. earlier the relationship between them, how he kind of, he changed the story a little bit that he saved um, Elrond in yeah. that when they met, yeah. right? So and now you can actually funny. save him, which is neat. Yeah, right. And I, I was wondering why. Gil so sorry, Trish. Sorry. No, go ahead. Um, Gilgalad. Just yeah, I just wanted to, to agree with John that Gilgalad. Why? Why does he keep asking? I mean, 
Elrond basically gave you the answer in saying, I can't, I'm not telling you their secrets. So <laughs> why does he keep asking? What does he, yeah. But agree, it's confusing for those of us that don't know what in the hell is going on. Um, and I will say too, there's this, I think what I'm dealing with or, or maybe to identify what, what the three of us are potentially struggling with is that we need like worlds that are unfamiliar to us need rules established in the text. And overall, this show has established only a few rules actually in the text. Um, like I know orcs get burned by the sunlight. That's a rule that the text has showed me. Um, and a few others along those lines about things. Um, elves are immortal unless you cut them in the neck a little bit and then they're definitely dead. Um, <laughs> and uh, so got that. Okay, the show showed me that. But I think the thing, uh, the rules are muddiest when we get to the elves storyline. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know where they get their power from what it takes i somebody mentioned in this episode that elrond's dad was not an elf i'm sorry what they somebody said he was a mortal man excuse me i thought that he was an elf that eventually became sort of a greek god that had something to do with the stars and the the something um yeah. now and he ascended uh so i'm not sure anything about that that was a a, a bit confusing but then also the way that um gilgalad is describing what's going to happen to the elves is He's like, we are going to diminish until we are gone. And then the darkness will overtake not just us, but all the races in the whole world. And I was like, how do you know? Has this happened before? Is he's, this he's a thing? He's watched never ending like, story. Is this a thing that happens a lot? <laughs> like, is this... A, I'm sorry. Is this, like, a very definite path? Well, I see that there's there's darkness inside of the leaves of the tree. We all know what that signals because it's a definite course of events that we're all familiar with. I just... I am utterly boggled by the entire thing. Um, other than I know that I like Elrond and Durin as friends. And, yes. uh... Elrond and Durin like seem like they're going to make a deal about the Mithril and somebody else is going to end up like, you know, betraying, taking more Mithril than the elves want to give or, or than the dwarves want to give, or there's going to be a betrayal. Um, I'm not sure exactly how and why, but uh, it's going to end up being. And I think they'll, it'll cause a fight between the two of them. Oh, of course it will. Yeah. But, but why the elves think the Mithril is going to help them. I also don't know. Okay, so if I were just watching this show with no context, um, I think what they were saying through the show at this moment <laughs> is Mithril is a combination of these powers of light and dark, which created um, a Silmaril. And uh, the show has not can... told us what those are, by the way. They've okay. mentioned them a few times and have not told us what the hell a yes. Silmaril is. All right, but they're thinking. At this moment, the elves are thinking if we could harness Mithril and absorb some of this, this power and this light, we will be restored to our full, to our full power. That's what I would get if I were just watching the show with no context. So to me, that to me, um, that is a confusing idea. It's very abstract. So um, I took, I took watching it as it was a fable. The, the Balrog fighting the elf was a fable, and that's what caused this to happen. 
should I've taken it completely literally and that it's just magic from both of them seeped into the the, the ground and that's what they're they need to live? That's that's um, my question. Um, I think it's I think it's the if they've elves... never encountered it before, how do they know it will save them? That's my question. Like, it's the certainty that I'm getting from Gilgalad that, like, this will save us. It's like, you've literally never encountered it before. I guess maybe this... if it formed a Silmaril and you know the Silmarils are a source of power. Again, right. the show has not explained is, that And the question is, is someone though. telling them? The question would be, is someone mm -hmm. telling them that they need this? I wish they'd tell us. Yeah. <laughs> Just tell I, me. I do too. <laughs> Just let us know. Like, like even if they went and opened a book and said, here's a prophecy that says this, or here's something that's written down that says this, if we see this, it would happen, it would be a good thing. Or this, sure. if this happens, it's a bad thing. I get that. I'm on board with that. But this, this whole, like, you should just know. I, or even I if it's a and... fake reason, like this was my issue with, yeah. yeah, this is my issue with Muriel. And she's like, we hate the elves. And I was like, at least give me a fake reason why. Like you can reveal the real reason later, but in the meantime, give me a fake reason. So and I the think they tried. Is, yeah, yeah. There's so much that I'm frustrated about because I'm like, though the reason's there. It's just really, really buried, and you need to expound upon it more. So in the in the last episode, the reason was, well, they'll take your jobs, and they're they never sleep, and they're more powerful, <laughs> and they're right. you know. But it was sort of in the background of a, a street person sort of yelling this. And I, um, I agree with you, Trisha. It just needs to be more plainly spelled out and emphasized a little bit more. Some of these, some of these issues, right? One thing we say on, on my show all the time, which our show is analysis focused. And right. you know, when we do analysis, we're really just looking at what is there um, and not kind of like, we do criticism as well, but mostly we just do analysis. Mm -hmm. And one thing we say a lot is if it's not in the text, it's not in the movie. And it's, I'm dealing with that here. If it's not in the text of the show, it's not in the show. Um, and it's, I uh, sympathize with the plight of the writers because there's so much text and that can't be in the show. Like so much of the mythology and the world kind of can't be in the show. There isn't room for it. And especially when you're juggling literally five plot lines, and this was the first episode in a long time that we've had all five of or four or whatever of the storylines jammed in here. Mm -hmm. But wow, mm, good point. I still feel like we so, could use a little more. Could, could I address a comment I seen go by in the chat? Please. Yes, I was just about to, but John, <laughs> go go for it. Uh, so so it's it's not just uh, it's a couple of people are saying that uh, why do you want it spelled out for you? Are you spoiled? Like do you do? No, that's not the case. But when it comes to these type of things, when it comes to a show, especially when you don't know anything about the lore or anything behind it, you're just watching it. There has to be some form of explanation. You can't just say this is just how it is because most people won't accept that. Um, and it's not a, it, it's it's in my opinion sloppy and lazy writing. Um, because it, it doesn't it doesn't help people understand the world like there's 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 world building involved here so one of the big things i had about wheel of time one of my major criticisms was there's a whole lot of stuff they just assume people knew uh, when you watch the show and i spent right. a lot of time explaining things to people and that's not how a show should work um yes there there can be secrets yes there can be things that are ambiguous yes there can be things but if they're major plot lines if they're they're major parts of the story there should be some clear reason for us to either say yes they need to do that or no they don't need to do that because otherwise it doesn't hook the viewers um and to me i'm i'm not hooked by the storyline at all because i maybe next episode will come out and they'll say this is exactly how it is and i'll go oh maybe i should just wait a week before i complain a whole lot but 
right now, after watching this episode two or three times, I was like, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I don't like that. I don't understand it. I feel stupid. Right. Well, let me clarify for folks who are just joining us and folks in the chat. This is a panel of people who are new to the lore. They have not read the books. They're newbies. So we're evaluating this show on its own merit. Um, We're talking about different filmmaking elements, the script. They are not supposed to have context because we want their real and true thoughts on what they're seeing. And these folks are seeing a lot of these characters for the first time. And to me, it's absolutely fascinating to get um, your takes. And I appreciate you guys because I think so much of this um, is frustrating for both newbies and lore people. Even though we love the show, I'm enjoying the show. Some of it is frustrating to watch because you wish that they would do a little more explaining. Um, mm-hmm. It would only benefit everybody. So I'm, I'm totally mm-hmm. tracking with you guys. I'm totally agreeing with you. Um, and go ahead, Trisha. You look. Like and I just want to be clear that again what i'm what i'm trying to dig at here is analysis about what's mm-hmm. actually being said and what's actually not being said and, right. and and please don't confuse that with criticism because people come to media for different experiences right if you come to media for exciting action sequences for gorgeous scenery for beautiful set design costume design for you know really compelling sequences and performances direction like there might be a lot of other things in this show that eclipse the need to have everything spelled out for you and if Mm. that's the case for you and you're enjoying this show fantastic what i'm trying to identify is again i'm trying to do some analysis about what is being said and what is not being said in terms of narrative work and the narrative work is missing some pieces for those of us that don't know what's going on behind the scenes um Mm. and even if that's like, hey, it was said in this, it was said in this like offhanded way by this unnamed character, that's still not the narrative work isn't being done to the satisfaction of the weight that's being placed on it in the story. So that's I think what I'm trying to like, I don't mm-hmm. know, pinpoint about what feels confusing. Um yeah. and uh again, this is not like Therefore, the show is trash. <laughs> right. Not saying yeah, no, that in any way. I'm saying <laughs> yeah. in this storyline, there's not there's I'm missing some narrative puzzle pieces that I wish that I had. Right. Yeah. And the dwarves and the elves, I think clearly more shall be revealed. Right now, it is definitely confusing. I have to agree with you. And I think there is more to the story. Mm-hmm. So we'll leave that part right there. I really, before we have to wrap up, I really want to talk about Bronwyn and um, and her story because I felt like that took some interesting turns. Um, and Lottie, I want to get your thoughts on Bronwyn trying to rally her people to fight this dark power that's marching at their gates, um, half of them leaving. That was a really heartbreaking turn of events yeah. for me. Um, take it away. Um, I'm fascinated by her bravery and because I was really trying to put myself in the shoes of one of the villagers or people who live there. Mm-hmm. I would probably neither fight nor go to the orcs. I would probably try to just run away from all of it. Run away! <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, yeah. No, I, I guess, like, they have nowhere to go, really, in the open. They don't have enough food to travel long. I don't know. But I would, 
I was struggling with the decision and I, I, I think that feels real to have that struggle between should I stay and fight or should I give in and just, you know, be concerned about my own safety. Uh, and they, they at least, it's always the, you know, do the e evil people say, okay, if you give us this, we will protect you. We, you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. If you just listen to what we say and you don't, you know, you'll be fine. But are they actually telling the truth? Because we have seen them uh, wipe out other villages around us. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, but, um, and then the intriguing part at the end when she is like, we are destined to be evil. I didn't expect that from her at all. So no. I want to hear yeah. what the, uh, the other two have to say about that because I was very, very surprised. And for a second, I thought, because the way they stepped out there, I thought they were just making a show to, I don't know, to, to, to convince everyone for a second. I had very weird thoughts about the scene of uh, her and Aran Deer stepping out there and having this conversation in front of everybody all of a sudden. I was like, are they just doing a, like, you know, trying to convince everybody through a play here? Or I don't know. <laughs> until until I realized, no, she actually means what she's saying. So that's that was my thoughts on that scene well i really you know i really enjoyed that there's hope and despair all playing out in this um oh and katie it looks like in the chat we have consensus so katie says i like the exploration of hope and despair because that's very tolkien but it was very back and forth um i totally agree that this sort of was a lot of melodrama in this scene as a person who likes melodrama it really worked for me um, but let's go to Trisha. How did you feel about this plot line? I like it a lot on paper. Um, the, uh, you know, need to make a decision. All this, all the villagers need to make a decision, uh, that they're more likely to survive if they pledge fealty to Adar, but, um, it's, they are trying not to be like their ancestors mm. and they want to stand for what's good, uh, whatever that means. Um, but, you know, I think, I get the external stakes, the life and death of it all. I get that. What I'm missing a little bit from Bronwyn is her journey as like a mother hmm. because she has a, a son and mm -hmm. she makes her first speech without any seemingly any thought about what would happen to Theo if they stay and fight. If if they are, if Theo is willing to stay and fight with her or if she feels like they have to stay and fight regardless then surely she has made her peace with the fact that they will all die, including Theo. And mm. if that is, that is something I feel should be like weighed by the character, like visibly on screen. I think that that would be realistic. Um, we haven't seen a lot. I don't think we've seen enough of their relationship. I just kind of wish for more Bronwyn mm. and Theo. Like, what does it mean for you as a parent to be in this position? Um, mm -hmm. of essentially kind of being a leader in the community. She's a healer, mm -hmm. right? We know that about her. Um, yeah. She's not a warlike person, you wouldn't think. Uh, but obviously she's really tough. We saw her behead an orc. So I just am wondering, you know, it seems like learning that Theo has the hilt and Adar knows that Theo has the hilt. So she will not be able to get Theo out of this alive if they fight. Right. Seems like a really motivating factor for her in deciding to give up but to was surrender she thinking to Theo survive would, right but was she already thinking Theo could live because that doesn't make a ton of sense like where was Theo in her first decision making process yeah. um and 
when she made the decision to fight, where was Theo in that decision? When she made the decision to, to turn, Theo seemed to be present there. So I just am kind of missing this, like, if your goal is to keep your son alive, no matter the cost, then even if that's at the cost of something you believe in, mm-hmm. then I wish I had seen that earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think there's like an interesting kind of missing piece there about how all of these things are playing into Bronwyn's decision making. Mm-hmm. I I like Bronwyn a lot. Um, Still doesn't have any sleeves. Uh, yeah. Trisha, let, <laughs> now that you said that, I told my co-host on our podcast, that's all I can think about now. It's all I, I see. She does look cold. Doesn't she <laughs> give her a coat, give her a shawl? <laughs> I don't know. I do to like me, her she parents. feels. Yeah. Go ahead, to me, John. she feels like 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 someone in the Lord of the Rings writers' room was a Wheel of Time fan because she's ninety two point to me. Um, mm. If you're familiar with Wheel of Time books, that that's that's Bronwyn is that character right now. That's who she is. Um, and like Trisha said, I I don't get her motivations. I don't at all. She's she's a mother, but she seems like kind of a crappy mother. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. It kind of seems that way. It doesn't seem like she cares too much about Theo right now. She's more concerned about other things that are going on. Um, it also seems like she doesn't know if she wants what she should do, um, which that's totally fair. I mean, someone who has not had uh, had to make those kind of decisions before, of course, they're going to be they're They're going to kind of waffle in 180 a lot. Um, that seemed believable to me. But I think my problem with her storyline characters, we haven't seen enough of it. There's not enough character development for there for me to get. This is why she's making these decisions. This is why she's doing this. This is her relationship with her son. This is her relationship with um, uh, the rest of the townsfolk. There's a little bit of that. There's snippets of it, but to me, there's not quite enough for me to go. I, I know why she's doing this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was too quick of a transition between here's my rallying cry, and then like, well, there's no hope. Let's Never mind. Pack that, it up. Yeah. Pack it in. That's all I got. Yeah, One rousing done. speech was all I got. <laughs> yep. But it clearly, you know, it did not go well for the folks who decided to surrender to Adar. Um, if someone can drop it, Wal- Waldrig, I was going to say someone Thank in the you. chat, remind me of his name, but it just came to me. Waldrig, I think, um, surrendering to Adar. I thought that was a very interesting scene where he's asked to slit the throat of this young person who's in his camp. Um, does he do it? Does he not do it? It was one of those clips cliffhanger moments um and we we don't know the question that came out of that scene also was why did saying the word sauron calling him sauron why did that trigger adar so much why was he so angry um so that's one of the other questions that we got out of that scene lottie are you you look like you're chomping yeah no absolutely i um that was that's the mystery now i'm confused because i think last time i said he's definitely not i don't think he's sauron Mm -hmm. but the show is going back and forth so well it reminds me a little bit since um we have john here it reminds me a little bit of the search of the dragon and then in the end yeah i don't want to yeah it is you know the person well you can spoil another show just not this (laughs) show (laughs) right it is i mean in the end it is the person you always kind of thought it would be so now I'm going back and forth is now we're being led away from the, you know, that he's, he doesn't want to be called Sauron. So now mm-hmm. I don't know if he is going to become him. So it, yeah. It just, it was again, confusing for me. And um, I was, sh- yeah, I was shocked that I kind of thought he did, but we had not never actually saw it. So he, we don't know yet. I, th- I thought he did kill the boy. 
but yeah, you're right. We never we never saw the action happen. So I had the feeling he did, but yeah, cliffhanger for sure. Good, yeah. And I wonder what the other people are thinking now. Um, uh, are they yeah. regretting their decision? Do they want to get out of there? And then we see the orcs march towards um, or um, Osterith, right? And then um, no, the tower, the tower. They march towards the tower, but do the other humans march with them, or are they just now they're uh, do they work for them? Or are they in their bellies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, a lot of questions. Um, I want to get quick predictions before we end this panel and hand it over to our uh, fantastic lore panel. They're going to go deep into the lore. If you're just joining us and you want to hear analysis um, and you want to hear exploration of the wider Tolkien canon, please stick around. Panel two is coming right up. Um, but I'd love to get predictions um, on any one of the plot lines from you guys. So let's start with John. Any predictions for the mm. show? Um, if I had to predict, I, I don't go with a plot line, but I want to go character. So uh, yeah, who the stranger yeah. is. I think the stranger's a Balrog. It's, it's the, to me, fire doesn't hurt him. He's bad. Not, All right. Not good. Whatever. That, that's, that's my, I know a whole lot of people think he's one of the wizards, but I think he's a Balrog. And I think, I think who Sauron is right now. And I want to go really outlandish with this. I think he's the chancellor from Numenor. That's, that's my, my take on that. But I don't know for sure who anyone is, and it's going to be a secret right till the very end, as far as I'm concerned. But that's what I, that's what I would think would be a really good plot twist that this kid's dad is not really his dad anymore. It's been he's been replaced, and that's why this is all going on. But I, I like it. I like it. We got some spicy takes there. A Balrog would certainly be a twist. Um, we'll go to Trisha. Oh gosh. Um, let's see. Well, I do predict one thing, which is that we're going to get a split of the Numenorean characters. We're going to follow Halbrand and Galadriel and all of those guys as they go to Middle-earth. And we're going to end up staying around with Farazhan and Kemin and Isildur's sister, whose name I can never remember and seems a little complicated to say. Um, they're going to be around in Muriel. We're going to be hanging around with them in Numenor at least a little bit, which means we're going to have more another yet another plot line that needs to be intercut with everything else. Uh, I'm so tired. And let's see. Uh, we're also probably going to get more, I don't know, just hopefully a, a few more beats with the Harfoots. And we're going to see where the distrust goes, if there is indeed like a seed of distrust being planted between... Um, between Nori and the stranger and what that might lead to. Uh, I think I'm very curious about how that'll go. If Nori starts to wonder if she has done something wrong in bringing him into the Harfoots community. Um, and uh, obviously there's going to be a bit still predicting a betrayal between the elves and the dwarves. Something real bad is going to happen there uh, with the mithril and stuff. So <laughs> these are sort of big picture. I you got a these, lot of predictions. I like. Well, it. I think I think <laughs> these are going to be things that that happen in this season. I don't know yeah. if we're going to find out who Sauron is in this season, which I makes me sad to say because I would like to know because I'm not sure I'm not going to watch all the following seasons from here on in. Uh, I don't know if I'm back on a panel. Maybe I will. Uh, but well, we might I, have to have you back. So <laughs> we'll see. You might but, have um, to. <laughs> Uh, that's the surest way to get me to watch anything is if I have to podcast about it. But um, 
No, I, I really have enjoyed watching the show. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. Uh, but anyway, I, I think they're going to save some stuff. So I think mm. things we're going to get in this season are going to be payoffs to the immediate plot lines that are already seated here. Things that are maybe not going to get resolved are some of the, the show's biggest reveals. I think it would behoove the writers to save one or two of those for the next season or to tease the reveal of those things in the next season. It would make sense uh, from a, a meta producerial point of view to do that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It can't all be the mystery box, right? Though yeah. We don't want too many. You got to answer some questions before you ask more. I mean, we all yeah, learned that from Correct. <laughs> That's right. All righty, Lottie. I feel like we're really going to pick up the pace next episode because we saw a little mini trailer at the end, right, where um, Galadriel and uh, is it Hellbrand? They're already riding on their mm -hmm. horses and it looks like they're ready to go to war. And um, I mean, the the, the the Southlanders still, they have to defend themselves. The orcs are right at them, um, go, coming right for them. And um, yeah, I think next episode is going to be a lot more action. And mm -hmm. I think it's interesting, um, John, that you see Farazan, he might be Sauron. I, I don't think, for me, I don't think he's going to be Sauron, but I think he definitely has some darker, like, I don't trust him at all. Uh, he I betrayed know he, Galadriel. We oh, know yeah, that. heck no. Yeah. There's something so wrong definitely. there for sure. Oh, yeah. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> He's a but little I, slithery, a little bit. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what I want to see is that the stranger and, and Nori, that maybe Poppy too, that they're going to go on a quest and help the stranger figure out who he is. I feel like they're going to at some point separate from all the, the other Harfoots. That's what I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that's going to happen. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, there's still there's still quite a bit left. These episodes are long and a lot can happen. So I want to thank you, wonderful panelists, you newbies. You are great. I enjoy every week so much talking to you. Thank you for your time. Um, we are going to hand it over now to our lore panel. We've got a really, really exciting guest coming up um, who's on the lore panel. I'm going to let Michael introduce him. So Thank you to you all again. This is where we leave you. Thanks to all the viewers for tuning in. The super chat was lit. Love to see it, even though I was distracted. It was great. Um, <laughs> but we will see you all next week for another, um, another newbie panel. And thank you all for tuning in. I'm going to do my best not to spoil things next time. I think I accidentally <laughs> leaked a couple a couple things. I'm going to I'm going to do my best not to do <laughs> not to do that again. <laughs> I'm getting reprimanded. So <laughs> Alrighty everybody, thanks for tuning in and here we go Michael. Take it away. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.